25th Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What is up, everyone, and welcome into another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Hockey Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And for whatever reason, <laughs> you are you have hit play on a podcast about the Columbus Blue Jackets, who are presumably a hockey team in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, and I I'm sorry for that. <laughs> I'm sorry that you hit play. Technically, we're not sorry because we do like that people are still willing to listen to us, even though. It's bad times for the Columbus yeah, Jackets. Because, I mean, that means that there are a few crazy souls in this world that, like, listen to our show because of us and not because of, well, pro- both and. But, like, we are at least a portion of the variable of why they listen. Because if you listen because you want to hear about the Columbus Blue Jackets' recent performances and games, like, you're a, you're a masochist at this point. Uh, you are just... Uh, looking for a world of pain and we're here to give it to you. Like we're going to give that to you. Like we're going to like own that. But I told Laura before we started recording, I just said, I'm just going to hit play. Like, I'm like, we didn't really talk about what we we're going to talk about on the show. Um, I like, so can we just talk? Yeah. Can we just talk about like anything and everything? I mean, like this team, uh, so, I mean, like, I guess how you were there tonight, like, you were there to witness the Blue Jackets blow a three to nothing lead to the 30th team in the NHL, who really just looked like absolute dog shit in the first period. But all of a sudden, like the Blue Jackets made them look like an all star team in the second and third period. So how was that being in the arena? Like, what was that like? Like, how are you recovering from that experience? Um, it was nice to be in the arena. I was really happy because all day long I've been anticipating this like bad weather that we were supposed to have. And don't get me wrong. It was pretty scary for like a hot second. Um, walking from the parking garage over to the the restaurant that I was meeting our lovely friend Megan at before the game. Um, and it was hella windy when we came out of the arena, but it does appear that we like that bad weather kind of skipped over the arena district area, thankfully. Um, So that was nice. And of course, being with Megan um, is always a joy and a great time. And ultimately the best part of the game, well, I will say that I was disappointed that for the first time all season, I mean, we haven't had the opportunity to go to a ton of games, but the first time all season that I sit in an area where there is an opportunity for streamers to fall upon me, we end up losing. We end up blowing a three nothing lead, and I don't get the streamers, which, as you all know, is my favorite part. But really, what was the highlight of this evening was that I finally got to meet our incredible friend Sila um, from Finland, who has essentially been with us almost since the beginning. Because um, I know we know that she found our show after Patrick Line came to Columbus, which is essentially right around when we started because yeah uh, yeah that was when we traded Pierre-Luc Dubois we oh yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like trying to do it in my head. I was like, when did we trade Pierre-Luc Dubois? And when did we start recording? We definitely still were recording when Pierre-Luc Dubois was a Blue Jacket. We started recording when he was, and then the trade happened in the mid, like shortly few, after yeah, we started. Um, no, but Sila has been um, around with us on social media for, like I said, almost from the beginning. She's been so supportive when uh well initially when we were both going to be going to finland and then of course when only jeremy went um she was so helpful she was really a ride or die for jeremy when he was over there and he had a great time hanging out with her and getting to meet her in person and um so i was so excited to finally have that opportunity and she's just as lovely as i anticipated her to be and we hugged like six or seven times because I just love her and she's been in the States for almost a week now and she'll be here um, until like next Monday or Tuesday, I think. So sadly um, in the four blue jackets games that she will be seeing in her time here, she's seen one win and two losses. So hoping on Saturday, she can at least see a win in nationwide while she's in the States, because that will be nice if she can see all of that. But if not, if not, people have just been so welcoming and gracious to her. And because she's she's pretty well known on the Blue Jacket social media since um, us going to Finland in the fall. Uh, she was a big help to a lot of people. So that was really my highlight. And of course, I also got to see Michael Neff, who we love um, and is such a character. And got a couple big hugs from him as well. So the people are what make it worth it. Yeah, because I mean, everything you said about both Sila and Neff, I mean, like, such good humans. And I know we've, like, done this before on the show. And, like, I don't necessarily, like, want to beat a dead horse. But I'll say it until the cows come home. Like, those are, like, when you hear people say things like, oh, like, I keep going to Blue Jackets games because of the people that I've met through it. Or... I, you know, and I, I have to say, like, I have this additional appreciation for the two of them, too, like, because, like, it is an interesting dynamic to be a diehard fan of a team that you're not proximal to and, like, Neff being in California and in San Diego and then obviously, like, Sila being in Tampa Bay, Finland, right? Like, I mean, like, it's just, like, to me, like seeing those folks that existed before I moved like allowed me and reminded me that like I could still be an engaged and excited fan from a couple of hundred miles away because Silas doing it from thousands of miles away. Right. Like, so that like, I've always had an appreciation for them and I really like anybody, I mean like that we have met over the time, like, um, you know, gosh, I don't, Oh my gosh, what is his name? He doesn't run the account anymore. UK blue jackets. What was his name? Oh, I don't remember what his name was. Eric? I don't know. I don't know. But uh, I just know him as UK Blue Jackets. Yeah, me but... too. Also a good human. Like, I mean, like, there's somebody, Jay, like, is also somebody who, if you listen to Locked On Blue Jackets, like, also not here in the States, is a huge Blue Jackets fan. And it's like, holy hell. Like, it's just, it cracks me up that. Well, it's also, they put out that chart a couple of weeks ago where it was like, what states follow what teams the most. And isn't it like Montana that follows the Blue Jackets? Yeah. It's like one of those weird out West states when you're like, huh, 
Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> it's kind of like how, to me, I read that as like how we uh, sometimes used to chart in the Philippines. Uh, with the oh, yes. Where it's like four people listen to the show in the entire country and we were like in the, like the top 10 of like hockey podcasts in the Philippines. Yeah, I would still like, I'm still convinced that that is a military base and that's how it happened. But I also do like the, the thought of just like, some diehard Filipino hockey fans that just like found our podcast or found the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, and, you know, we're listening to us for a while. We're always so amazed whenever our show reaches somewhere outside of our two houses. Um, much, so. yeah. and, and really even just Laura's house, because as we all know, I don't listen to the show. So, <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't. I have to tell him all the things if something's wrong or like a few weeks ago when the last eight minutes got cut off. So Had zero idea. There is definitely one episode really early in the show where I posted the unedited like in like entire like raw audio and Kelly messaged me and was like, Girly, you're like just talking at the beginning of this. <laughs> I was like, oh man, and I had to like run. I like r- removed the episode from the like airwaves and like re uploaded the right one. It happens. And like I said last time we recorded, this is episode 155. And for us to have only had two instances like that, I'm taking that as a high success rate. So if I get yes, you, you're an, you're an incredible producer. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. So without <laughs> you, we simply would not exist. Listen, so if I gave you 155 M&Ms and I told you that two are poisonous. Wouldn't you grab a few? Sure. I would. I would. I'm not very risk adverse though. So that's like, that's true. You, you out of the two of us are very much so like, yeah, why not? Yeah. If it's ever fight or flight, it's almost always fight for me. And I know it's a flight for you. Yes. <laughs> oh my! I don't God. seem like I have a lot to live for, but <laughs> when it comes down to it, I make myself believe that I do. Oh my God! Oh my God! Well, speaking of fight or flight, you can tell that I am choosing flight when talking about the Blue Jackets tonight. Like I, I am like having a lot of like disinterested feelings right now. In terms of like this team and what's been happening on the ice. I mean, like, obviously, we're watching the games, and I know that I am not the only person that's feeling this, Laura. I know you're feeling it partially too. And I know that there are people who are listening to this show. I know that there are people who aren't listening to this show because there is just such a malaise right now on this team. I mean, I think we were talking before we hit record two and eight in the month of January, 21 minus 21 goal differential in those 10 games. It's just brutal right now to watch Blue Jackets hockey. And it is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like a season that I don't remember ever really. Like, and even like the Blue Jackets were like dumpster fire bad one year out of the years that I've been like really old enough to like fully understand and engage with this. But this is bad. Yeah, I mean, you said it to me tonight. (laughs) You said, we've won 13 games. And then you go, the Boston Bruins have won 36 games. I mean, we're talking like opposite ends of the spectrum here. Yeah, absolutely. 
so drastic. I mean, like the the Bruins are having like they're on pace to break and shatter the the um, Lightning record from the year that we swept them. We're don't worry, Bruins fans. Like we're you don't have to worry about us this year. Um, but it's one of those things where like that is still just so eye opening, right? Like, like thirteen times this season, we have like finished watching a hockey game and been happy. Yeah, been marginally happy or like just confused on how we ended up pulling off that situation. Like, and I don't know. We've said it a couple times. Like, if they can be competitive, it makes the losses not as painful. And I think tonight is a perfect example of that not working out fully. Cause, like, in the first period, they were very competitive. Like, they scored three goals. It was a three to nothing hockey game. And then they came back out in the second period. Now, granted, Anaheim did switch their goaltender. Which, I don't know why more teams don't do that. That is something that I have always thought. Like, Some teams like to make their goaltenders, like, even we've done this at times, make their goaltenders, like, sit through it. Which I think And, like, is, deal. I think that's good, especially if you know that, like, a goalie needs that, right? Like... I mean, we, we've seen that a couple of times where this season even where like Elvis has stuck it out for an entire performance because it's just been like, it's just not going well. And I mean, but we've seen it on the flip, right? Where like we've seen goaltenders get pulled because the team is not performing in front of them and they don't want that performance that they're having as a reflection of their play in front of them. Mm, to affect like, their confidence. Ahead. Yeah. But I think there's something about it to me, especially in this case where you're going from like such a young goaltender whose name I don't even know, like, if I'm going to be honest with you. He just had a very oh. shiny gold helmet. He's a big man. Mm-hmm. But to a guy like John Gibson, who's having a terrible year, like, he's not playing well, but, like, he's still, like, a veteran. Like, I don't know why team – like, I think that that obviously, like, had an impact on the game. Like, I Oh, mean, yeah, it definitely – I mean, Megan and I were joking around that we were blaming um, – because there was – not a ton, but like there was a nice chunk of empty seats that were around where she and I were sitting tonight. And these people just showed up in the middle of the second period, like outwardly admitting that these weren't their seats, but that they were just going to sit there. And, you know, I like, I, you know, fan however you want to fan, but like these people were just obnoxious and they didn't know like anything about hockey like they were talking about benching johnny gaudreau like as a solid option for the team like and just all these sorts of things and they were vaping in the arena and it was just a whole to do and so we blamed them on um us because they came in at like the middle of the second period which is really when things started to go haywire and so we are blaming them for the destruction of the team for the rest of the game. That, but, feels, right. that feels right. Yeah, they just threw off the vibes and that vape smelled disgusting. So um, maybe that was also causing uh, you know issues. But yeah, it just in traditional Blue Jackets fashion, like they just came into the second period either like too cocky because they were up so much when we ended the first period 
or just entirely gassed because it took everything for them to get those three goals in the first period, or they just couldn't handle the fact that the Anaheim did this one change where they switched out their goaltender who, when we recorded um, with Buck and Boomer, we all talked about the fact that their goaltender, they have not been having good goaltending and this threw the blue jackets so much that he looked like he was a great goaltender. Like it's just crazy how much things can change from one period to another or with one circumstance, like just one little thing seems to tip the balance in this situation so much. And like the first period, like it wasn't perfect, but it was good. And like, there was a fight and like Nick Blankenberg literally bodied a man. What a shift. Like, just straight up bodied a man into our bench, but like it was quite exciting. And so, then marched his happy little ass down the ice and on the same shift scored a goal. I mean, it was like right. I I even tw- like I tweeted this from our account. Like it was just the most Nick Blankenberg goal and most Nick Blankenberg shift that you could expect from the kid. And it's like three nothing, cool, sweet, dope. And then like like we've said and like you all watched. Uh, different hockey team. I appreciated. I the artillery tweeted. What do you all think that Brad said at intermission? Wrong answers only. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, what's there to say? What's there to say about a game like that? And I know. I, I think I'm realizing way more than I thought I would that I'm not gonna handle this like race for Bedard well like I'm not gonna handle this well because it just like the actual like illness that came upon me when I read the like and with that loss and the Blackhawks win which the Blackhawks beat the Flyers tonight go figure but um freaking tweeting out like things like oh yeah like the the Jackets are now in sole possession of 32nd uh, and they have played at least one, maybe maybe more, game less than the Blackhawks, who now have two points up on the Jackets. And I was like, oh, actually, like this shit blows. Like, <laughs> like yeah. actually, this is fun. And and I never have felt like I was a tank for Bedard kind of person. But I think to your point, and I think what makes it different, right? I mean, these last couple of losses. I mean, like you can make an argument, like just from the scoreboard and just from different pieces of the game, that there was some competitiveness to the losses to Nashville and to Anaheim. I mean, with the within the case of Nashville, I mean it's kind of the flip, right? It's again like, yeah, the Jackets can play a full sixty minutes of hockey. Like they can piece together a full sixty minutes of hockey over the course of a fucking week. Like over the course of the entire week, you'll find sixty minutes that were good and. And in this case, it was the third period against Nashville where they actually, like, were generating and they had a few opportunities and Kevin Lankinen was was playing really well. Like, that was competitive. And that, like, there were glimpses of that. But the start to that game? Total garbage. Was rough. Um, But now I'm trying to remember. Am I remembering something wrong? I'm, like, having this, like, existential crisis real quick. Hold on. Hold on, everybody. What are you thinking? Are you thinking you're remembering something wrong from the Nashville game? Potentially. Well, the Nashville game, I mean, it was no. almost in... What? No, I, no I'm 
I feel better. I feel better because in my head, I think so much of the Rangers game was similar to the Predators game in the sense of like going down, like scoring goals late that like give you false hope kind of deal. Mm-hmm. But in, in reality, like just very similar games, like in the sense of, I mean, in this case, in the Rangers case, which we talked about with Steven on, on Tuesday's episode, it just like the Jackets like struggled to even start getting anything going at least at least against the Predators, like, they outshot him. Like, they outshot him 40 to 28. Like, it was embarrassing how much we were outshot leading out to the third period. Like, we were in the teens before we entered the third period, which is just ridiculous. And I was talking... What? No, we weren't. I think you're, you're remembering New York, too. Because I was doing the same thing. Because in New York... That was when Steven texted me and said over under on 20 total for the game because we only had like eight, I think, going into the third period. And against Nashville, we had 24 shots after two, but like an outshot them in the second and third periods. Are we okay? I don't know. All the bad is kind of running together, I think. I actually think that that's what just happened. And I was like originally planning to edit this portion out of the show. But now I'm like, this is a pretty fair representation of what it's like to watch this team right now. Yeah. Because I was going to say, and this still holds true, because you don't, you can't win games when you're getting outshot by the margins that we're getting outshot by. Like, even if it is not as bad as I say it is in some certain games. But, like, when I was talking to Megan tonight, because everyone knows, not everyone, but, like, people who listen to us regularly or have ever gone to a game to us know that on multiple occasions, I like to yell out rebounds are important because I sometimes, you know, stay up at night thinking about all the goals that we could have had if we just understood how important properly handling rebounds are. But something that Megan and her boyfriend Reese say is shots on net, like, like shots on net, shots on net, like just shoot the freaking puck. Um, Because that's the other thing. Like, we are in such a state, like, being the last team in the league, I don't know why they aren't playing more freely. Because what do we have to lose at this point? Like, honestly. Here's a question. Yes. Are they just as bad? Like, is it that simple? Like, is it that simple? Right, because hockey is a sport unlike any other. Like you can you can add an incredible point guard to a basketball team, and he's gonna play 40 out of 48 minutes in a game. He's gonna change that team's dynamic entirely. You know what I mean? Like you talk about football, all it takes, right? Like all it takes is one incredible the Bengals, right? Prime example it takes one incredible player like a Joe Burrow and also a Jamar Chase that, that I mean that worked out but it takes one player like that to change the entire dynamic of a football team and so for me and with hockey I'm like we talk about whenever we have these conversations about are the Blue Jackets maybe this bad we're like they can't be they've got players like Johnny Goudreau and they've got players like Patrick Laine and they've got players like Boone Jenner and and you know really excellent like potential like rookie phenoms 
but those guys are not playing more than a grand total, like between the three of them in different pieces of the game, more than 24 minutes a game. Like so much, the majority of the game is played without the Blue Jackets' best players on the ice. So I say that to say, if you take out players like, like a Boone Jenner, like a Patrick Laine, like a Johnny Goudreau, aren't the Blue Jackets just that bad? That might be the case. I mean... Because like, like I said... Either I said it, I know Steven said it too, but we 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 have certain pieces. Like like we have Johnny, we have Patrick, we have Boone, like you know, Vladislav Gabrikov, who defensively pretty solid. Um, Nick Blankenberg, when he's healthy, knows how to do a lot of things. Like we have pieces, we don't have all the pieces. We also have pieces that are still developing. So we can't really blame them because they're babies in this situation. Like they are green, if that's an easier way to explain it. And so you can't super blame them because they just don't know what they're doing yet. Um, But there are pieces there. And for some reason, one would think that even with those pieces, we could still find some way to not be this bad. I mean, to me, like, I, like, I go to the first thing that my brain goes to more often than not is food. And so when I hear you say pieces, right? I hear you say pieces. The first thing I think of is a pizza. And I'm like, what are the pieces of this pizza that we have, right? Like, let's say like winning the Stanley Cup to have the, the to have the ingredients, you've got to have like uh, a meat lovers or an all the way. I mean, like we're talking like everything. You've got to have a supreme, a good dipping sauce. Like you've got to have it all. And the pieces I think that the jackets have right now are like the toppings that you bite into on a pizza. And you're like, I actually like, this is like really amping up this experience for me. But when you go and you look at a restaurant review for a place that sells pizza, what are the first things that they ever talk about they talk about the crust they talk about the sauce they talk about the cheese right they talk about the foundation i'm taking us down the weirdest fucking rabbit hole oh my god oh my god are we a canned mushroom team we might be we might be a team of canned mushrooms because because the foundation is not there right like i could have like i could have if you read a review we're canned mushrooms with a soggy crust if you read a review for a pizza, that's like, I really enjoyed, like, this place had a lot of toppings, and the toppings were high quality, but the sauce was watery, the crust fell apart when I picked it up, the cheese wasn't fully melted, you know, my delivery man was an hour late. Would you buy the pizza for the toppings itself? No. No, no. I'm more apt to order the world's best cheese pizza than to order something that has all the fixings, right? I feel like right now the jackets, at least offensively, have the fixings. Like, it's not a matter of, like, and those are, I think, the pieces that you're referring to. And I think those are pieces that everybody's referring to when they talk about, like, why is this team not, not excelling? And it's because they've got a flaccid crust and a watery sauce. Yeah. <laughs> 
I hope that everyone's listening to this and enjoying this pizza related journey. Can we also clarify that this pizza is cut like a Donato's and not like a standard pizza? Oh, are we about to get into a fight right now? Which is your preference? Well, I think in this analogy, Donato's style, where it's like the, you have more pieces, is more fitting. Okay. Sure. Than a regular. I can appreciate that metaphor. To me, when I think about like. My preference is not Donato's style, like cutting it. See, oddly enough, mine is. Like, my preference is like party style cuts, but. When I think of like, when I think about the Colorado Avalanche's pizza from last year, and I envision that for me, it's like a triangle cut. I don't know why. Because they just, you didn't have to worry about any of their pieces. I'm drinking LaCroix. I'm not like drinking anything that should make me be this dumb at this hour. I think it's sleep deprivation and just like the hockey team sadness happening. But, Anyway, <laughs> uh, the Jackets uh, need a better foundation. They need a better crust. They need a better sauce. And they need the delivery guy to get their pizza there on time. Yeah. Brad Larson is the, the, the delivery guy for me in this analogy, just for what it's worth. I think he's also kind of the soggy bottom of this situation as well. Right. 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 Anyway... <laughs> I think I need a second. I think I need a second to regroup. And Laura, as much as we don't love a soggy pizza crust and a bad sauce, do you know what we do love? Winning money on DraftKings. Yeah, lots of it, folks. Because the NFL playoff action, it's continuing. And we're one step closer to Super Bowl 57. And for the NFL divisional round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly, plus all new and existing customers. So Laura, existing customers, that's you and I, can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Maybe, maybe you think that Joe Burrow is going to have a target on T Higgins this weekend. And so you want to take a couple of player props on, on the two of them in the same game parlay, get into it because uh, folks, if you're not, if you're not betting on the Bengals against the bills, last I checked, I think they were a five and a half point underdog. Bengals are covering that spread and they're winning that game. Anyway, uh, you're going to want to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code THPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL divisional round and get 200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So obviously, like, you know things are not where things should be. If in January you're talking about the pieces that you're going to be selling at the trade deadline and you're talking about teams that are already potentially like kicking the tires on players, like it sounds as though uh, I, I don't know that I expect anything to happen before the deadline, if I'm honest, but 
it definitely sounds like Yarmo and his team are not waiting until the deadline to start having these conversations about primarily two Blue Jackets uh, pending unrestricted free agents, and that would be Vladislav Gavrikov and Gustav Nyquist. So, Laura, obviously, like, this is not breaking news. Like, to hear those two players as being players that could potentially be targeted at the deadline, I think that they fit the mold that we always talk about in terms of the players that get traded for a decent return at the deadline. Uh, no disrespect, although some potentially, depending on who you ask, to Max Domi in saying this, but like Max Domi wasn't the kind of player that you like expect to get something incredible out of at the deadline because he's, he's not like that playoff style guy. He's a skill guy, that kind of stuff. But then we go back the year before, Nick Foligno and David Savard, exactly the playoff kind of hockey guys that you think and the kind of players that can bump you over, I think, into greatness. And so uh, maybe you could say that they're part of building that crust. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm going to never fall off of it. <laughs> so all that's to say, Vladislav Gavrikov and Gustav Nyquist, those two players, and people want them. People want them, Laura. They do. And honestly, I mean, it shouldn't be that big. If anyone's shocked by this, then they haven't been paying attention because – they were also kind of floating around on the list when it kind of, not kind of, it like greatly became apparent to everyone that after acquiring Johnny Gaudreau, we were going to have to get rid of someone in order to be able to pay people. Did we ever in anyone's right mind think it was going to be Oliver Bjarkstrand? Absolutely not. We did not. We did not think that. Um, but at that time they were definitely tossing around, you know, Gus and Gabby, um, you know, from what I've seen of, as of this week, the team is still trying to, uh, do contract negotiations with, um, Vladislav Gavrikov, but they also know that time is running out. And if things aren't going to come to term like in time for the trade deadline that they have to be ready to, you know, get rid of him so that they don't lose him for nothing in the off season. Like, cause that's essentially, that's why these teams do this because if you don't have a really strong indication that you're going to sign an unrestricted free agent in the off season, like you have, you should try to, get rid of them at the trade deadline so that you can at least get something for them and they don't just walk away scot-free. And this team has been burned in those situations. Like Artemi Panarin, Sergei Borovsky, like we have been burned by people, by keeping people, even though at that time we were doing much better and like we needed to keep them, but like to lose out on those two people and literally get nothing for them like that is a big punch in the gut. Um, so they are still working on Gabby. I haven't heard anything of them working on Gus. I have heard that Gus does not want to leave. Um, like he doesn't want to leave Columbus. He likes being here. He likes playing for the team. But unfortunately, we're just in a circumstance where like, he's got to go. And you, you know, you said to me tonight, like, well, maybe he'll, he'll come back like in the off season. Like we just get rid of him now for something and then bring him back um, in the off season. That has been like 
something that's been tossed around about other people over the last few years, Nick Felino most notably. Um, but there are definitely there are definitely teams looking at these two players. Yeah, and they should be because they, like I said, and everything that you just said, right? Like these are two players that are good and uh, teams will be lucky to have them. I know the Jackets have been. And I, I mean, I would be sad too. Like to your point, like Gus has especially been vocal about, I, I want to say like he was even proactive and like preemptively like saying how much he didn't want to leave Columbus at the, either it was the last, I think it was the last deadline. He was it was the last trade that when he yeah. was like afterward, he was like, seemed relieved and like all this kind of stuff. So over the not, summer, he said something to you yeah. publicly um, and he just, he really does not want to leave. And I'm sorry, I totally cut you off in that circumstance, but I'll make this short, but like, it's those kind of players too, that like hurt the most for fans because, and again, just briefly, I will bring this up when you have people that don't want to leave here and then yes, business-wise and what you're trying to build, it makes the most sense to get rid of them. It hurts more, cough, cough, Cam Atkinson. I, like, yeah. yeah, I wondered who you were talking about there. <laughs> and like, when you finally find, I mean, there, we're slowly moving away from this assumption about Columbus, but like, when you really find the people that don't want to leave because they've fallen in love with the community and with the fans and and riding out whatever it is that the team is going through. So they have that loyalty too. And then it's just, it comes down to a business decision. Like that's what sucks the most. Yeah. And that's what we have with Gus. Like, I'm not sure, like Gabby hasn't said anything. Like he hasn't even said anything about the contract negotiations that they're doing. Um, I mean, I, he looks like he has a fun time here, but I don't know if that's, if Columbus is what's in the cards for him and his family, but Gus has been vocal, like vocal, vocal about not wanting to leave. Right. Yeah. And, and to kind of just wrap this up, I mean, uh, so the fourth period reported that a, a handful of teams have started to reach out about both players. So specifically, it looks like uh, the Edmonton Oilers, the Los Angeles Kings, and the Toronto Maple Leafs are among the teams that are interested in Gavrikov. And the Calgary Flames, New Jersey Devils, and Dallas Stars are among the teams believed to be kicking the tires on Nyquist. And so, I mean, if, first of all, if I'm Kyle Dubas, I'm not calling Yarmo about nobody. Because I still think that his return for Nick Foligno was chef's kiss like it was yeah. great and so if i'm kyle Dewis, i'm like yarmo kindly fuck off kindly kindly not answering this phone call like kindly only trading with general managers with hair like that would be like my mantra if i were kyle Dubis. uh but it doesn't seem <laughs> like it is his mantra but i mean there are definitely things about all three of those teams and there are even prospects that could potentially be included in a trade that i would be really enticed with yeah, it's going to be interesting. And obviously the like rumor mill is going to be amping up, you know, over as we get closer and closer to the deadline. And especially like as we get closer to the all-star break, because that's when, you know, when you're not focused on the break and games aren't happening, that's when like, 
you know, people start talking because they're bored and they miss games being played. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I agree, like what you said earlier, I don't know that we're going to see anything pre the deadline. Um, but I do think deadline day, which of course we have a game, which is ridiculous. And of course it's my birthday game and that's just how my life works. Cause everyone knows if you've ever met me, I hate the trade trade deadlines. Like, I just hate it. I'm a little bit more re- prepared for it this year, but you know, it's going to be an interesting day for the Columbus Blue Jackets. It will be. And, and then even looking at, you know, those three teams, the Flames, the Devils, and the Stars, all teams that are well within playoff contention. And uh, I think especially for, I mean, really all three of those teams are in need of a player like Gus Nyquist. So maybe maybe we can talk about what our ideal future returns would be for uh, both of those players from those teams. And uh, maybe we'll do what we did uh, for the – was it the Pierre – oh, God, what trade was it? It was uh, – It we, wasn't Pierre-Luc Dubois because that came out of nowhere. Was well, it Seth Jones? kind of. Yes, it was Seth Jones. Yeah. Because we knew was- that – he was going to go. Solicited from the, we solicited from uh, folks in the network what their trade proposals would be if they were uh, covering or, or doing a show about any of the teams that were linked to Seth Jones. And so I'll never forgive. Uh, I'll never forgive Neil for his. So, yeah, not, Neil's was um, harsh. Yeah. So, so if, uh, if you're going to get into this conversation about Gus Nyquist, Neil, um, going to need you to step step it up. Bring it. Well, you know he's going to be like. We need Gus Nyquist and Johnny Gaudreau. Like, things that aren't happening ever. So and, You know what? You could have them. Here's my return list. Ready? It's like Nico Heischer and Jesper Bra. And <laughs> we can keep going. We can keep going. Uh, but, oh, Laura. Laura, Laura, Laura. You actually said something a little bit earlier that I want to reference, too, about when players want to stay in Columbus, like how, you know, how that makes things more difficult. Kromarchenko is somebody who has recently been cited as saying how much he enjoys the city of Columbus, which is really exciting. So it was in a Russian news outlet that was translated via Google Translate. Uh, I won't read it verbatim to you all, but essentially just stuff along the lines of, hey, like it's a fresh, clean new city we're not really like needing to be out in the metropolis. Like we don't really need this idea of like hustle and bustle and people everywhere. There's never anything to not do on the weekends. Like Columbus is great. I I really like it here. And I don't know a reason that I want to leave. And I don't think I'll find one basically. And that, right. feels, that feels good. Especially cause I think like we're always, there's this like trope about Russians more specifically about like, they want to be in the like very like socialized environments that you're used to seeing when you think about America, like the New York cities, the Chicago's, the Los Angeles's. And so for him to say that I think is like cool because it's recognizing that it's not those places, which I'm okay with, but it's saying, and that's okay. (laughs) And that's like what I prefer. Well, and saying too, like he said, he's like, I came over here with, this like knowledge of people saying that like people don't want to play here and you know, it's this bad place to live. And he's like, the moment I got here, it was a great city. And like you said, a clean city, like a, 
a city you can live in and not feel like overwhelmed by your circumstances. And especially as someone, he and his wife coming over here, not speaking like a ton of English and being able to adjust to a community without having people like all over them all the time and being able to just exist and adjust and you know there is always stuff to do and he, my favorite part of that quote is i really just want to play hockey and they let me play hockey so i'm pretty happy about that which was arguable up to like the last handful of games i think he skated 17 minutes against <laughs> against you know against the ducks tonight so that trope i guess i can't use that in the show and get mad about it but correct but yeah so we, we love to hear it from Kirill. That feels good. And it's nice to have something that feels good. <laughs> yeah. Talk about the Blue Jackets right now. And I have to give you kudos. For some reason, when you were when you were talking right now, my camera like went out. And it just displayed a photo of a bird, which if nobody knows, like Laura <laughs> is like afraid of birds. And I, I really hate birds. That. I don't know why that popped up. I think it's StreamYard's like logo, like bird. Yeah. I... <laughs> I just thought that you like stood up, but you stood up and like not to like sometimes Jeremy like isn't wearing pants when we're recording. That's and true. so sometimes when he stands up, he is a gentleman and he like turns his camera off so that I don't have to be scarred. And I'm wearing um, underwear. I need to like, I feel like I need to. Yeah, say he's wearing like. like boxers or boxer boots. Like he's not like. I, I'm never asshole naked on the show. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> so, so, so sometimes when that's happening, he'll turn his camera off. So like, you know, again, cause we're best friends, we are not dating. So there is a little bit of modesty between the two of us. Yeah. That part. Um, and, but then I remembered while it was the duck image that you had stood up earlier and you had yeah, pants on. So yeah, I was like, came to what's happening? I don't know. I don't know what happened. I think it just like I think I accidentally turned it off. I I think I like brushed the button or something. So, but yes. Yeah, so uh, all of that was going in my mind, and it distracted me of the fact that it was a bird. But you did really well. I was nervous when that came up. I thought you maybe you thought I like disconnected. So that was good. Good work. So Laura, speaking of disconnecting, we're not far from doing that from this episode. But is there anything else on your Blue Jackets mind as we wrap this one up? Um. No, not really. I mean, we play San Jose on Saturday. Um, they are also not a great team, but like we can't really say anything about that because at this point, even the worst teams we still play bad against. So we are the um, worst team. <laughs> we are the worst <laughs> that team. Would make sense. Um, I will say that I do hope for Sila's sake, since it'll be her last game that she gets to see while she's in the States that they can pull it together enough for her to see a win at Nationwide um, just so that she can have that full experience because she's just such a wonderful human and I want that for her. Um, but yeah, I mean, not super much on, on the Blue Jacket side of life. I did just want your like quick opinion on uh -oh. the jerseys for the All-Star game. Oh, I, you know what? I like them. I like the pink. I Well, and it's like, I do like appreciate the like, 
homage to the whole Miami Vice vibe and mm. like that kind of stuff. I think that looks good. The reverse retro, like that's really well done. Like especially when you know that Adidas is is piecing out on on you in a year, and you know that you've done your last reverse retro with them, and it's more of like a like let's have some fun with this from an NHL perspective and and go with the those old Eastern and Western Conference logos, uh, which. It's going to be interesting to see the Blue Jackets wear that Eastern Conference logo because the Jackets were always in, I th- well, I don't know when they changed those logos. Those logos are old, relatively old, not like in real life old. I think they're like 15 or 20 years old. And so I think the Jackets never, I don't think those were what they were using when they moved to the East. Mm. So I, I can look that up though. But I like them. I think it's going to be cool. Like I said, it'll be weird to see the jackets wearing that Eastern Conference logo, but because I, I mean, I will... I'm thinking about Rick Nash wearing the Western Conference logo, like, and that's like really stuck in my brain still. Because back then it was like a little bit different of an All Star game. Like it was like very like what you think of traditional East versus West, and so like it wasn't yeah. a guarantee that you were going to have players in it, and like it wasn't a guarantee that like they were going to be relevant. And so like Rick Nash was relevant for the Jackets. And so like, it was fun to watch him in that game. It was always one of the highlights of the year for me. So it kind of brings back a little bit of that nostalgia for me. I will say I'm getting in Adidas, unless they're doing this on purpose and it's like some underground marketing thing, but like, I will say that this is the second time in this season that they've had their jerseys leaked before the announcements. And like, I just think that's a kind of a bummer. Like, because I mean, again, as long as they're not doing it on purpose, these companies are like planning like the reveals for the jerseys and like to just see the Jersey for the first time hanging on a weird plastic hanger in some dude's like warehouse office, like, and all wrinkled. Cause I don't know if you saw those pictures that went around earlier today before they put out the official ones. Um, it just like was all wrinkled and like, it just didn't look nice. So if you're one of those humans, like just chill, like the images will come out eventually, but like all the, almost all the reverse retros were like leaked and, and that's an even bigger campaign because that was for every single team in the league. So just chill out. They will come out when they come out. Good God. <laughs> I and I feel like in the NHL, and I think every like league is prone to this, but like the thing, like, I feel like that's happened a lot with a lot of things, not just jerseys, right? I mean, like we knew the entire Seattle expansion draft before the expansion draft happened. Like what it like that was so sad. I know. Like, where is like, you know, and obviously for us, like as Jackets fans, we were like Gavin Bayer there. And so like it was interesting to like watch and be like, was this wrong? Like, are we going to be the one team that was wrong? Cause it didn't make any sense, but it is like, I, to your point, like it's just not fun. Like, and like those things are supposed to have anticipation to me. Like I want to know like what the league has in store for their reveal of the, of the jerseys and of the, you know, expansion draft and whatever have you. Like there's so many things that I just wish that we got more, um, like like you said, like suspense and excitement out of. Mm-hmm. But in case anyone's curious, 
the move from these last logos, the ones that are being used in the reverse retros, to the current happened the, at the start of the 05-06 season. So I don't even know. Rick Nash might have had an all-star game, maybe two in the Western logo. But interesting, interesting, interesting. Well, folks, I think that that is going to wrap up our episode. Uh, we'll have plenty of hockey to talk with you all about because it's an interesting week next week. The Jackets don't play until 9.30 on Tuesday, on Monday, which is our normal recording day. And uh, Laura and I, like, listen, hear me out. Went with the staying up until 1230 and then recording shit. So uh, we are not going to record an episode on Monday night and into Tuesday. We'll probably record that episode on Tuesday. So, uh, you know, set your, I must have set your DVR. That's like (laughs) me being stupid. (laughs) Set your DVR. Let's keep it. Set your DVR to uh, uh, Wednesday. Uh, We'll have an episode out on Wednesday and it'll be great. The Jackets have got a couple of games out on the West coast. So, uh, get your coffee ready uh, after the San Jose one because uh, the Western Canada and Seattle road trip is coming up. Yeah, Johnny's grand return to Calgary. So, and I will literally probably only stay up long enough to see whether or not they terribly boo him uh, during his tribute video. So, it's going to be a pissed off Calgary team too because that visit to them for them at Nationwide Arena was not too kind. No, it was not. So, it was not at all. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see just how uh, mad they are coming into that one. So, folks, that's going to do it for us. We're going to keep it locked on all of our social medias. You know how we are. And, uh, Laura, you really truly are, especially in the episode where I'm making analogies of Stanley Cup winning teams to pizzas. You are definitely the one that is most equipped to tell the folks where they can keep up with our chaos. Absolutely. You can follow us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at SubjectivelyPod. You can follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube on Subjectively Speaking. Uh, We do have a very lovely website if you want to check that out and get all the links to all the things that I'm talking to you about at SubjectivelySpeaking.com. If you didn't know, uh, we do have a merch store. <laughs> it is a very nice merch store. It has a lot of beautiful things in it. So if you want to support your two favorite hockey podcasters and get some sweet merch in exchange, you can go to subjectivelymerch.com. It won't hurt you. There's some pretty cheap things if you don't want to spend a lot of money. Um, but, you know, it helps us out a little bit. And then lastly, you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on particularly if you are on apple podcasts scroll on down hit five stars it is our favorite number and again we don't know how the algorithms work for any of these things we just know that likes comments subscriptions all that sort of jazz really helps us get noticed in the hockey podcast charts and bring people into this wonderful community that we've created and speaking of that community we're not going to dwell on it But to our um, friends and listeners in the LGBTQIA plus community, particularly this week, we just want to say you are heard, you are loved, and you absolutely belong and deserve to be recognized in this sport and in general. So we love you. Be kind to each other. Yeah, very much that. I didn't even bring it up during the show because I knew that if I did, I would be 
gone for the rest of the show. So um, sincerely, everything that Laura just said and more, um, you know, we, we do take a lot of pride in, in creating space for the people that have just been intentionally left out of, of these spaces for so long. And I think in a lot of ways, the two of us really try to also embody that in the way that we fan. And so um, we love you all. You know this. This is your home. You're welcome here. And uh, we love you. So please make sure, like Laura said, especially to be kind to yourself this week. And uh, take care of yourself. Take care of one another. And we will talk to you all very soon. Bye.